everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Thinking Aloud about film. Today we're going to be talking about In Our Time, a portmanteau omnibus film from 1982, one that predates The Sandwich Man, which we, we talked about earlier from 1983, and which together kind of kick-started the Taiwanese uh, new wave. So uh, let's begin with you, Richard. Thoughts? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed some of it more than others. It was a bit of a mixed bag. I, I found actually much more so than the Sandwich Man, which, uh, although the, the Sandwich Man films were of varying degrees of quality, they were all pretty good. Whereas this one, I found that I really enjoyed the first two films. wasn't so keen on the final two films. I agree, and I think one of the interesting things about about both of those portmanteau films is actually how Hu Shaoshen and Edward Yang really mm, stand mm. out, you know, from everybody else. You can see why, uh, you know, some of the other filmmakers have trailed off and, you know, we continue to discuss this. I thought um, the uh, uh, Edward Yang episode was extraordinarily beautiful and unique, really, in, in so many ways. But let's get to that later. So there are four films that make up this omnibus. Uh, by four different directors. And so, shall we talk about them in order? Yeah, that's probably yeah. easiest, yeah. So, the first is Dinosaurs, also called Little Dragonhead, uh, which is directed by Tao Zhe Chen. What, what are your thoughts on that? I enjoyed this one a lot. It's, uh, I mean, I guess one thing to say about, about the way the film is structured is that the way, the, way the, the whole film is structured is these four films take place in different time periods. So, the first one is the 50s, the second one is the 60s, and then... I guess the 70s and the 80s, uh, the central characters get older as the films continue. So, so this first film is set in the 50s. Um, it's about some very young children. So it's kind of reminiscent of those um, those Yang and, and Ho Shen films about childhood, really. In fact, it was, it was surprising to start watching it and realise th- that this wasn't the Edward Yang one. <laughs> I felt the same, except that... It's a film that once you begin to think about it, you realize, well, it can't be Edward Yang because actually it's too crude. Mm, mm. So, I, th- you know, I think I was seduced by the subject matter, by the presence of the child, yeah, who, you know, is really lovely to look at and he looks kind of melancholy and sad and, yeah, sweet. Um, he's, got a, he's got a very particular gaze. Yeah, that yeah. kind of uh, very attractive. Uh, but then as soon as you begin to think through the dynamics of that family, it becomes too crude. So, you know, the brother who actually looks younger is seen as the bully, yeah, constantly setting up the, you know, the the protagonist, which, of course, you know, you can imagine, well, that's, you know, that could happen. But is there not some love or affection or play? It's, between it's, odd, it's odd, isn't it? Because, I mean, essentially the plot, it, it's, it's, it's very slight, but the plot is there's the... The central character, I guess, Little Dragonhead, is a boy who's got a toy dinosaur and he's kind of obsessed with the dinosaur. He's bullied by his classmates. He's also treated pretty badly by his parents. They they, they exactly. always blame him for everything. You, and you, no reason is given given for this. They then visit some neighbours and, you know, they're all drawing pictures. He draws a great picture of the, of the dragon. The girl they visit takes credit for it. You know, every, everyone treats this kid badly. His dinosaur gets thrown away by the father, and then eventually they get the dinosaur back. And it's all it's all nice, but the girl moves away, and it's all sad. But it, it occurred to me the reason for him being treated that way, which isn't stated, 
might be an he might be adopted because that was a, was a common theme in those those other films in the like in Time to Live and the Time to Die where where one of the brothers is adopted because this is the fifties where you've got a lot of children with missing or dead parents. So I mean that might explain it, but you're not told that. Well, you're not told that. So so I think I think the understanding of people uh, is is very crude. Um, so, you know, at the end, the first bond he makes, which is with a girl, and only for you to discover that they're moving away the next day and the film ends. I mean, it, it all seems both crude and too pat, right? Like, I think a very limited understanding of what people are. That said, they're really lovely things. I love the boy. I love the introspection. I love the feeling that he's got to immerse himself into, you know, this fictional world of dinosaurs and soldiers and you know, that, that, that is this fantasy world that he finds uh, identity and comfort in. And of course, you know, that is a trope that many of us would identify. Yeah, it, it's an interesting central idea. And, and I think the idea is that you're, you're seeing every, everything through the, from the point of view of this little kid. So like, for instance, in, in the, 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 the scene at the end where they visit the family again, he doesn't realise the family's moving away because no one's bothered telling him. And it, you, and, but you, you as the viewer don't know this until the end of that sequence either. I mean, I think there's something worth discussing here, which, you know, I'm not, I don't have a thesis on, so I'm really just asking you. But I think there's something to be explored about the figure of the child in Taiwanese cinema, yeah? Because it recurs over and over again, doesn't it? Yeah, kind of, you know, we see it in uh, Edward Young films, we see it in the Hu Shen films, like, you know, it's almost like growing up, yeah, in a, a post-independence kind of Taiwan, right? And how events, both historical and personal, shape the figure of the child who is set in the past, but who somehow also represents the present and the future. Mm. Yeah, there's something Yeah, there. but there's another element there, which is, and, and this I think is a point that was made in Our Time, Our Story, that we talked about last week, that for a lot of these filmmakers, it was easier from a... Uh, kind of censorship point of view to make films about the past than about the present because of the of the, yes. of the martial law and the government censorship so so that, which is why you know yang and ho Shen were, were focusing on those coming of age films and, the, and those films about the about the 40s and 50s so at least initially they're making films about the past and perhaps they're about childhood because they were children at the time right um the i mean the, there is an interesting comparison here though with but with i guess with those first two films in in this Portmanteau with Hao Shaoshan's Green, Green, Green Grass of Home, which is, you know, one of his early films he doesn't talk about. But that, that came out the same year as this. I don't know which came out first, but they were probably in production at around the same time. I think we, we found that a very interesting film and a, a real kind of signpost on the way to his later later work. But again, there's some similar scenes there in this first, you know, the first shot in this in Little Dragonhead is the, the little kids wearing masks. Um, and there's that scene in um, Green Green Grass where the the two children have the big leaves and are using those as masks. It's a very very sort of similar image. Again, probably that is a very that's a very beautiful opening in this film. It must be said. So kind of you know one of the things that's very interesting about this film is how you know you 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 get this really impressive formal uh, deployment of the medium. Yeah. Uh, in the first two films that is very unlike the second two films, which are, 
you know, I think quite crude in a way. Yeah, like, um, so that opening sequence with, you know, the play of the, uh, you know, the boy opening into the masks, a kind of a languidness that it kind of conveys, yeah, of, of, of fantasy life uh, is, is, a, is a really beautiful opening. In spite, so, so I think in the first film, there is a, a kind of, there's not a, 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 a joining or there's a disjuncture between, you know, a kind of cinematic skill, yeah, the ability to create mood and that imagery and that opening, you know, with all that it kind of connotes. And then the crudity of the thought behind it, yeah, like kind of the, the plot and the story is so, has such a crude uh, understanding of people and family. Uh, it's very one dimensional in the way that it shows you things that is kind of belied, you know, by the cinematic skills, yeah, on the stage. Yeah, and this was his only credit as writer or director, according to IMDb, which might be missing some stuff. But he, interestingly, and again, coming back to our discussions around the collaborations between all these people, he acted in Edward Yang's That Day on the Beach, and he's also in Hao Shen's Time to Live and the Time to Die. So. Yes. Uh, by the way, I was involved in a Facebook discussion about pronunciation the other day, you know, that leads me to apologize to everybody <laughs> listening <laughs> in case we're mangling all these mm. names. Yeah, it's, it's not deliberate and it's not because we don't care, you know, but we are confronted here with a different language that we've never heard spoken. So, you know, we have tried to get the pronunciation right, uh, but, you know, please forgive us. Exactly. exactly. There was that comment Sylvia Chang makes in our time our story where she was slated to direct one of the films in in, in our time and ended up being persuaded to appear as an actress instead in, in in the final film and she said well and i was better qualified than some of the people who did do it and you think well yeah this guy had never written before never directed before she'd produced a tv series she'd written and, and you know it's a bit of a boys club as we were saying it was but actually um, so this is almost like the perfect segue uh, to talk about desires, expectations, the Edward Yang episode, because watching that, I thought, my God, you know, here's a display of a female gaze, yeah, or female desire that um, I, had, I have never seen in a, in a film outside of experimental cinema, yeah. Uh, uh, the names escape me now, but, you know, I, di I, I did see a lot of, for example, lesbian experimental cinema that obviously kind of focused on bodies and looking and gazing and so on. Um, but, you know, in commercial cinema, I, I've never seen anything like uh, the sequence that Edward Young presents us of, you know, the, the, the young girl looking uh, longingly uh, and very sexually uh, at uh, the tenant uh, in her house. Uh, we, I mean, we were saying last week how, it, how New Taiwanese cinema feels like a real boys club, and there's no question that it is. Yeah, all the films, all the pictures of the, the directors that you see, it's all these men, you know, ganging up. And yet, in this episode, there's something that is both very poetic, very beautiful, very sexy, but also kind of entirely focusing on... on, on you know, female desire in a way that feels kind of new and modern and also so much better than what you see actually uh, now. Yeah, that kind of, 
uh, it has uh, 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 reverberations and a kind of a subtlety of thought behind it, you know, that just take, you know, getting a man to take his shirt off and, you know, pulling the camp up and down does not, you know, kind of automatically. <laughs> yeah, do. yeah. So, the, so yeah, the plot of this one, it's a, uh, so as you say, it focuses on a, on a young girl, I guess, sort of a early, t early teenage, just sort of, she, I mean, she has her first period during the, during the course of the film. And so she's living with her mother and her older sister. They have a lodger who's normally a woman, but then they, they get a new lodger who's this young male student. Uh, and as you say, the, 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 the young girl falls in love with, with the students, but then so does the older sister. And I think one of the really clever things about that sequence you described is you, you know, you see this sequence of the, uh, you know, the guy's got his shirt off and he's doing some work in the yard and, and the, the young girl, the younger sister is, is gazing at him and, uh, you know, it goes back and forward and it, it's sort of very, it's just filmed in a fascinating way, but then the camera moves slightly and you see that standing next to the younger sister is the older sister and then you see her gaze too and, and clearly she the older sister is like i don't know 17 18 and clearly is in a is in a position to do something with those, those desires that yes. she has it's a it's a beautiful scene because it makes you realize how um much young yang can do with a pan right so it's only it's only when the camera pans back yeah so it begins with the girl's gaze moves over to show us what she's seeing yeah which is this body that she desires and then as it kind of pans back you see her now framed yeah with her sister also looking but she's not aware that her sister is also looking and so you know it's just kind of yeah there's, i thought there's some, some amazing framing in this there's one one shot i noticed particularly that i'll try and capture and put on the the, the facebook page where of the older sister doing her makeup and and just kind of reflected in this tiny mirror on the on the dressing table as the younger sister comes in and it you just the whole thing looks 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 great this wasn't the first thing he directed he'd done something for tv like a two-part tv movie the year earlier i think but this is his, the first thing he did for cinema there's a beautiful scene as well where the young girls at the desk and the lamp light you know begins to flickering it begins to flicker Right, and then it kind of in the fades to black, and and you do get almost like this flickering of desire. It's, it's all, I'm not describing it very well, but it's very poetic actually. It's very beautiful. Yeah, it kind of it stays with you, uh, in a way that um, you know so many other uh, episodes in the film don't quite. Um, I want to pick one fault, which is the young girl in the film, in the episode, has a relationship with a younger boy. Yeah who she's friends with, yeah, the boy with the bar with the bicycle and so on. And I find that the boy's way too young to be paired with her, first of all. And then there's something odd about the voice. I think the voice was a much older actor. Yeah. I, yeah, it, that felt uh, odd. Yeah, so so it just felt kind of very weird, and it, it takes you out of the I film. Didn't, that didn't bother me too much, because it, it seemed to me they had this kind of early teenage years, girls grow more earlier than boys not they could that easy... much I well mean, i don't really. know they it's they like, could they could they could have like been the same height the previous year and an, and an eight year old i mean it was it did it did feel a little a little odd but yeah it's kind of but it's kind of they were you know you could see them being neighbors and childhood friends and then suddenly she she matures and, and, he, and he he doesn't uh, it but doesn't yeah it was, it, 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 it was it was a little bit odd i'm just just as an aside on on 
because uh, I, I was just looking up this TV movie that, that Yang did. It's called Fu Ping, which seems to translate as duckweed. The story of a country girl who comes to Taipei with dreams of entering the entertainment industry. And here's the interesting bit. A two-part TV movie and part of groundbreaking series 11 Women, which is the series that Sylvia Chang produced. Ah. As we were saying last week, Sylvia Chang being this key figure who's overlooked, she she seems to be the person who gave Edward Yang his first opportunity to direct. I wonder if Sylvia Chang is someone who's overlooked only in Anglo-American accounts of New Taiwanese <sighs> Quite, quite possibly, because she clearly was, yeah, she was, she was right up front and center in that in our in our time, our story. Although, it might, which maybe because our time, our story was 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 directed by a by by a female director who may have been you know, making sure that the women in that um, team were were not overlooked. But yeah, it's, it's it's quite possible, and it's quite possible she's a you know a, what her subsequent career was. I don't know. I mean, finding maybe she's you know, she could well be a have carried on being an important producer, you know, like Verity Lambert in the UK or someone like that. I don't, I don't know. Well, I had a look at her Wikipedia page, and it's not only full of credits of all kinds, yeah, uh, but it's also full of nominations and awards and so on. So, you know, she's clearly a very significant uh, uh, figure, but not, but you know, not one that's uh, taken into account when, it, when in writings on Taiwanese cinema that I've read. Which I guess, I guess comes down to the kind of you know auteur sort of view, doesn't it? That you yeah. you know the focus is entirely on these superstar directors right. um, and I- ignoring the the wider industry context that that made it happen. And she certainly seems to have been you know a big part of that wide that wider industry context. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, any last words on desires or expectations? Expectations <laughs> or desires? The it's. Uh, works in, it would work incredibly well as a as a standalone short it did occur to me because i use I, I did wonder well what why why is this not you know could could this not be a, an extra feature on on one of yang's films on blu-ray but there i think there's a copyright issue here because we're coming coming back to the what were our discussions earlier about the use of music in um taiwanese cinema because in, in little dragon head we get this lengthy sequence which is a montage to a, this kind of gloopy orchestral version of Johnny Mathis's When a Child is Born. Um, and in this one, very problematically from a copyright point of view, there are two songs by the Beatles playing in the background. And not only that, there's a brief sequence where the Beatles are appearing on television. The camera pans across and the Beatles are on TV. And that, I think using Beatles songs in film is much easier now than it was 10 years ago. But it's still, if you're going to pick a band to make it, difficult they're the third most difficult bands to to use the other two being neil young and the doors for complicated reasons wow <laughs> um okay we've we've gone from the 50s the 60s now we're in the 70s with leapfrog and it's about a university student it's directed by koi ching and it's my least favorite episode oh, i film. didn't I, I didn't get on with this at all i i couldn't you know i couldn't quite work out what was what was supposed to be going on it was this kind of knockabout comedy-like sort of animal house or something. I mean, it... what I did find was interesting resonances again with Hu Shen films. Yeah, so all of that school, university sports, and you know, kind of the swimming contest and so on are kinds are things that 
you you see in some of the early Hu Shaoshen films. I mean, the, the, what's what's interesting is really this film was the, the, this third film was kind of like a less sophisticated version of Hu Shaoshen's early films. Yes, like, exactly. You know, which I find so so that's quite odd that you know you've got these three early Hu Shaoshen films that are kind of you know he he doesn't really like to talk about. He likes to pretend that his career started with um, uh, Boys from Feng Kuei. And then you've got In Our Time, which is supposed to be the, found, the foundation stone of the new Taiwanese cinema. But the certainly the third film there, and to an extent the fourth film, are, you know, unsoph- to me, just felt like unsophisticated kind of sex comedies almost. Or this, I mean, this one was a college, college comedy, but like almost like Animal House or something like that. Yeah. Um, or, 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 you know, American Pie or something. I mean, this was, I, I don't, I, I certainly found those three early Ho Shan films far more interesting in a lot of ways than these final two films in, in, in our time. So Cute Girl uh, from 1980, Cheerful Wind from 1981, and The Green Green Grass of Home from 1982 all deal with kind of similar subject matter in a much more uh, successfully realized way. They're, they're funnier, they move better, you know, they're more cheerful, like they're really delightful in a way that this feels really forced, like the comedy to me seemed really forced, yeah? Yeah, um, yeah. And and there was a message about Tao and Confucius and, you know, being one and whatever, but I didn't get that any of that really. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, the, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm glad you felt the same way as I did because I, I, I just didn't find anything to recommend this third film at all let's move on to the the last one uh show your id say your name by Yu chang yeah so this one again we move again through time this was a you know a, a young i guess a young married couple who have or possibly unmarried who have just moved into their, their first flat hilarity ensues <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's meant to be a screwball comedy that's really what it's meant to be uh, but none of the laughs really work. She goes to work without her ID. He ends up being locked out of his own house uh, whilst looking for a newspaper. He's wearing boxer shorts and a towel. So there's meant to be all these jokes about, you know, how people react to him. There's a wild dog in the uh, balcony next door. You know, the neighbors all can't help him in, you know, in judgy ways that are meant to all to be funny. He tries to go up uh, to his balcony through a drain pipe and, you know, falls down and miraculously does not kill himself. And that's the end of the film. I, I really found it leaden. This is the one that Sylvia Chang appears in. So she's the, the wife or girl, girlfriend. She runs around in her pants for the first part of the film and then she then she goes to work. And it's sort of, yeah, it just meanders around, doesn't really go anywhere. I really can't think of anything else to say about that segment. I... Uh, I mean, looking at the film as a whole, I, it was a far less cohesive piece of work than The Sandwich Man, uh, which I think The Sandwich Man benefited because they were using source material. You know, they, they were using three stories by the same writer, whereas I, as far as I can gather, this this was you know just all all original stories. So there's no no kind of thread. I'm not sure I agree. So I think they're both uh, very fascinating in different ways. So. You know, I think uh, The Sandwich Man had better films, yeah, collectively. You know, the Apple one was was, was wonderful. Um, but I think there's something about this film 
through the periodizations, through going to the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, through the making of each of those films in different styles. They're almost like different genres. So the, the first two are kind of poetic and deal with interior fantasy, life, yeah, desire or, you know, escape, right? And the second are more about contemporary life, about kind of, you know, the dilemmas of youth and they have a different energy, you know, and kind of, in a way, they're also critical. I mean, so, you know, the, the thing, the episode with the frog, it is about, you know, someone not not fitting in, yeah, not wanting to do what their parents tell them, trying to find their own way, yeah, but being part of a culture. I mean, those films have an energy and a, a dealing with contemporary life, you know, that you don't see in The Sandwich Man. And it, yeah, we, we don't know, but I guess there were elements of those films that, that would have been seen as quite sort of shocking and, and slightly transgressive. So the, like in the final film, for instance, the, you know, the, the fact that it's this young couple and they're in their, you know, running around in their underwear, the, the fact that, you know, at one point you see the, the husband taking a shit, sitting on the toilet with the door open, and you, you know, you see his legs and you see his pants around his ankles. And, and, and so it's quite clear what's, what, what he's doing. And that would probably have been quite a shocking thing to see. Yeah, we're, we're, we're missing that aspect of it, of, of how much of a jarring thing that would have been compared to the normal kind of musical romantic comedies that were going on at the time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm missing it. I, I think that is how, why uh, this, uh, it, you know, in our time collectively, I mean, you could see how a generation of filmmakers would, get a buzz out of it collectively, right? Because it's dealing with contemporary life and it's dealing with contemporary life, you know, in, in very matter of fact ways. Yeah, a couple living together, you know, going to work and, you know, just uh, not needing to work, but going to work for a better li lifestyle. Neighbors, the types of apartments that people live in, which are kind of, you know, quite ordinary, you know, middle class, lower middle class apartments. Compared to, for example, the Hui Sark films that we saw, <laughs> or the 1960s yeah, melodramas that we saw as part of all the context that we've been doing for this. I mean, this feels like something new. It really does. It does announce different subject matter and you know different ways of filming. And there's something more exciting about it collectively than individually, except for the Edward Yang sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, on that note, uh, I highly recommend it. Thank you very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film, and we will be returning next week with another episode. Bye-bye.